0: Thanks for listening to ITRIS, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. Hey, take your Bible and turn with me to uh, Romans 12. Romans 12 is where we're going to be today. And if you've got an uh, app on your phone, uh, you can open that up. If you want to use the version I'm using, I'm using the New American Standard. But Romans 12 is what we're going to be looking at today. Okay, January. This is January 2023. Can you believe that? Now, just think about that. Where in the world did the word uh, January come from? Uh, It came from the Greek god, Janus, uh, the god with two faces, one that pointed forward, one that pointed backward. In January, what do we do? We look back at that year that we just just had, and we look forward to the year we're going to have. And I think that probably every one of us are uh, in the situation that Vicky and I are look in and we look back and it's like, wow, there were some really cool things that happened in 2022. And at the same time, we look back and say there were some really hard things that happened in 2023 or 2022. I'm not a prophet. I hope there's not gonna be bad things in 2023. But you know, at the same time, you look forward. You know, and uh, it's kind of always interesting to me, you know, Christmas is so busy and you're, you know, head down, plowing through all the stuff that you do to make Christmas good, especially if you got family in or whatever. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's 2023, it's the new year, and it's like, man, I really haven't thought about this new year. But, you know, I'm sure that over the next couple days, all of us are going to sit and say, okay, you know, I want this to be different. I want this to be different. I want this thing to happen. I'd really like this to go on. I don't want that to keep going on. And, you know, we just do that kind of reflecting. Okay, another show of hands. How many of you guys get annual checkups? Whoa! I do, but I'm not very faithful about it, and so I think I've been like every eight years on the eight years, you know, and uh, you know, I try to exercise and all that stuff, but uh, you know, I mean, Vicky and I are really good about getting to the dentist and getting our teeth cleaned and doing all that stuff, but you know, man, I couldn't tell you the last time I went to a doctor when I wasn't sick, you know, just, you know, what's the heart doing, what's the blood pressure doing and all that stuff, but Everyone always thinks that an annual checkup is a good idea, and it is. Well, you know what else is a good idea? It is a good idea to take a spiritual annual checkup. Just a, just a, a, a point in time when you look back and you look forward and you say, okay, where am I? Where am I in this sector of life that, that really is the most important part of life, the spiritual? You know, where am I in my relationship with God? Am I a little further along or am I a little further behind or am I stagnant? Am I drifting or am I plowing ahead? That's kind of what I want to do today. And uh in the same way that it's been a long time since I've done a physical checkup, it's actually been a long time since we've done a spiritual checkup. You know, I always like to at the first of the year do and Annual checkup, whether we look at Romans 12 or look at some other passage. But I was kind of sorting through my notes, and I mean, it's been like five or six or seven years since we've said, okay, let's take a moment to just evaluate. So here's what I want you to do I want you to have your Bible open to Romans 12 because that's the passage we're going to use. And essentially, we're going to be asking three questions. And from those three questions, you're going to kind of get a pretty good assessment of just where you are in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ, because I think this passage basically presents three big areas of life, and it says, how are you doing in those areas? you you go to the doctor, he takes your temperature, you know, she might take your blood pressure, she might, uh, you know, get some blood work done to see where you are in terms of your cholesterol and all that good stuff. Um that's kind of what we're going to be doing here. So look at Romans 12, verse 1. And one of the most important things to notice is it starts off with this word, therefore. Or in my translations, it says, I urge you, therefore. Okay, what's that therefore, therefore? That's always good to ask and answer. And so essentially let me just show you real quickly here you might want to jot this down or at least uh, uh, take a picture of the screen so you got it but essentially the book of Romans huge book 16 chapters and it was is kind of like Paul's major work in presenting the gospel of Jesus And he started off the first several chapters basically just establishing and proving and illustrating that all of us are sinners. Every human being that has ever lived, except for Jesus, every human being is a sinner who has fallen short of God's glory. You know, we may sit and disagree about what is sin, which things really are sin, but You can't hardly find anyone that won't agree that all of us are sinners in some way. And that's what Paul establishes. Then in the next couple chapters, he tells about our salvation, our deliverance about how Jesus came and through simple faith and trust in him and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, he paid the penalty. He paid the the punishment. He endured the punishment For that sin. The Bible says the wages, the paycheck for sin is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Well, Jesus endured that. He paid that fine. He paid that judgment so that we could have life, could have that eternal life. And that's what he explains in chapters 3 and 4 of Romans. Then, He talks about uh, sanctification. That's just a huge word that says, okay, now that you've been made holy in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary, you're supposed to live a holy life. You're supposed to flee that sin and stop living like a sinful person and instead seeking to live more like a holy person, and you flee that sin. And that's what chapters 6 and 7 and 8 are all about. And then the last little section is I put the label of sovereignty on it because one of the questions that his original readers had was, okay, well now God was working with Israel or the Jews, the, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I thought they were God's people And they've just kind of been kicked to the curb in history, at least at that time they had. What about them? I thought God made all these promises to them. And that's really important to understand, because if God made a whole bunch of promises to them that he isn't going to keep, who says he's going to keep the promises to me? And Paul goes in and explains that, no, God is, in fact, going to keep those promises to Israel, and he is going to keep the promises to us. And so that's that section we call sovereignty. So for 11 chapters, Paul has been explaining the most important truth there ever is about how you and I get a good relationship with God. And then, what does he do? He says, therefore. You know, if he was a cool preacher like me, he'd say, so what? Okay, and what does he do? He starts to tell us about it, and the label that we can put on that content is service. In light of the fact that you've been saved from your sin and are called to live this holy life, and you're doing it for a God that really and truly is going to keep his promises, what do you do with it? What's the so what? Therefore, what do you do? Here's what you do. That's where we are. Okay, so... Look at Romans 12, because the first couple verses basically ask us a question. Here's the first thing. This is like the blood pressure. Am I submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ? I mean, he might be my savior, but am I treating him as king? Am I acting as if he's the one who really and truly has the right to call the shots in my life. Look at at what he says, verse 1 and verse 2. Paul says, okay, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice that is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now there's a ton of stuff there, but just to unpack it, basically what he is saying there is: you and I, now that we're saved, now that we are the recipients of that incredible gift of salvation, we're supposed to live with Jesus Christ as King, as Lord. And so there's a simple question, are you doing it? Basically, he's calling us, he's calling you, he's calling me to each and every day and many, many times in the day to sit and say, okay, I want to do this Jesus' way. I want to do this as if Jesus is the King because he really is the King, he really is the Lord whether I'm going into a sales meeting or whether I'm going in to teach a class or whether I'm going to uh, dig a ditch, I want to do it in a way that would please King Jesus. And so he says, are you presenting your body, your life, as a sacrifice of praise to God? Are you doing what is the will of God? And there's kind of a positive and a negative Verse 1 is the the positive. Are you giving it to Christ? Verse 2 is the negative. Are you being conformed to the world? Is the world setting your agenda and telling you how to live? Or are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? If you wanted to write down two words on this, about this dedication, one would be regularly regularly. That's one word. And the second one is totally. You need to just kind of look at this. And, and he's saying, regularly, I need to present myself to God. I need to, to get back in line and say, okay, what is the most important thing? It's doing what Jesus Christ has called me to do. And I need to regularly do that and submit to them. And I need to be courageous enough and vulnerable enough and transparent enough to do that totally. You know, I might be all in with Jesus when it comes to my money, but I may not be all in with Jesus with, in terms of what I do with my mind, my thought life, what I watch, what I look at on the internet or on my iPhone or something like that. I mean, it, you know... Is every sector of my life, how I handle my emotions, how I, my work ethic, my, my relationships with people, am I trying to take every one of those areas and give them to Jesus Christ and conduct them in a way that says, he's the Lord, he's the king? Annual checkup. You want to know where your blood pressure is annual checkup. You want to know where you are in relationship to Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the next one. You know what the next question he asks is? He says, am I functioning in the body of Christ? Now we're going real high level here. A lot of details we're just skimming through. But look at verses 3 down to verse 8. It's kind of the next paragraph of it. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but instead to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each man a measure of faith. For just as we have many members or many gifts in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts, talents, propensities that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them accordingly. I mean, if, it, if it's prophecy or proclaiming, man, do it according to the proportion of your faith. If it's service in your serving, in your teaching, man, if that's it, do it exhorting or encouraging giving do it with liberality leading some people are really good at leading administrating do it with diligence or some people are really good at showing mercy showing compassion man do it with cheerfulness and he just kind of takes a a little sampling of all the different ways that we are gifted because all of us you know have Based on our background, based on our, our talents, based on the things that the Holy Spirit has given us, we're good at certain areas of life, and quite frankly, we're not so good at certain areas of life. And what he's saying there is, is that, in a way, we, we kind of become a, a, a body, and each of us fulfills a role in that body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet. Some of us are heads, some of us are eyes, ears, mouth, and nose. But every one of us has a, a, a way to contribute to the overall functioning of that body. And what Paul is saying is, are you doing it? You know, two things that you could, uh, you could say here, in the same way that I had a couple of things for the last one, here's a couple for, uh, for this area. He says you've got to have the right attitude, and you've got to have the right actions. Do you see that up in verse 3? He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. I mean, one of the things that, that prohibits us or obstructs us from serving other people and relating to them well is when we're thinking too much of ourselves and he says get rid of that don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think you got to have the right attitude he doesn't say it but i think the flip side is true don't think too lowly of yourself man. if god has gifted you to do something i mean it is not becoming to sit and say well i'm no good at anything yes you are some of you are incredible at doing something you've got certain areas of giftedness but but For some reason, you don't feel comfortable pushing in and saying, you know what, I got that. I would be better at doing that job than anyone in the room. That's not egotistical. That's just humbly saying, hey, God gifted me that way. Let me have that. Let me teach that class. Let me administrate that. Let me run that event. Let me be the one that goes and talks to that person that's really hurting. And so it's all attitude. And then it's followed up with actions, the right attitude, the right actions. So how are you doing at functioning in the body of Christ? You know, as a, this is January. As you look back, say, over the last six months or a year, you know, were you functioning in the body of Christ, rubbing shoulders with other believers, helping them by contributing your giftedness, whatever that giftedness was. Or were you more on the sidelines because you were occupied with other things? So he says, okay, are you submitting to the Lordship of Christ? Second, are you functioning within the body of Christ? it's kind of interesting whenever I I think about this, I think back to a a couple that uh, some of you know because they were here a long time ago, Dave and Joanna Cranfield. Vicki and I actually knew Dave and Joanna Cranfield when we were in Dallas. They're about 30 years older than us and I was a youth pastor and they had moved to Texarkana and got involved in the folks that were uh, starting fellowship and uh uh they were vicky's and my primary connection to texarkana when we we moved here and uh you know i we got to know them really well like some of the folks here got to know them really well that have been around for a long time and and one of the things that was really interesting we we were at a you know a big church in dallas grace bible church good church big church had lots of uh uh you know, uh, really high-profile people within the church. It had a, At one time, it had a really high-profile pastor. In fact, uh, you know, some of their uh, people that had been on staff at that church, you know, household name type people. I mean, and it was this, this church that was going and blowing, and Dave and Joanna had been in that church for 20-some years. He was a Braniff pilot, and then when Braniff died, they came to Texarkana. And I remember... When Dave and Joanna after after uh being here for about 10 years, they then relocated to Memphis and he went back into flying flew for FedEx. But I remember them making the comment because they were they were like pillars in the church. They were just people that rolled up their sleeves and served and worked and they did stuff. And you know, when you think about it, this this church, you know, humanly speaking was small and insignificant compared to the church they had been at. But they made the comment to me, and I've never forgotten. They said, we have grown more in our relationship with Jesus Christ during these 10 years than in all the years before. Why? Because Richard's this incredible preacher? Yes, that's the answer. No. <laughs> Why? Because they had really had the opportunity. Not that they weren't doing it before, At this place, they really had the opportunity to just plunge in and get. They did life with those of us that were around. And God used that not just to bless us, but to bless them. You know, it's kind of interesting. Dave and Joanna go to the church in Waco where our daughter Emily goes. And so every once in a while, Vicki and I get to connect with them. They're now like mid-80s. Still in fairly good shape and and all that. And, uh, you know, even now, they'll talk about their 10 years in Texarkana, about how much God used that time when they were drafted into service. This functioning in the body of Christ, man, it is a win-win if ever there was. When you give and contribute your time, talent, and treasure to the individuals within the community of Christ, they are blessed. But you know who's blessed the most? You are. I mean, there's nothing better than for each and every one of us to go give and serve and roll up our sleeves and get messy doing life with other people people. And I think that's kind of what Paul is talking about there. Are you functioning? I always like to say, do you run to the center of the church? The best place you can be on the face of the earth is to run to the center of the community of Christ. Because that's where you're going to find love. That's where you're going to find accountability. That's where you're going to find some people that love you enough to be honest with you. Not just say what you want to hear, but say what maybe what you need to hear. That's when you have a need and they rush to your side and meet that need. That's huge. Let's move on to the next and last question that we're going to deal with today. Are you submitting to the Lordship of Christ? Are you functioning within the body of Christ? Here's the last one. Are you modeling the life of Christ? And that all starts in verse 9. And it goes down to verse 21. And and there's really two categories. One is my relationship to other believers. And one is my relationship to those who are unbelievers, those who are yet to believe. And so some of this stuff is, is like, okay, here's how I treat other believers, other people that are on the same page with me spiritually, and here's how I'm supposed to function with those that may not be on the same page with me spiritually. The first uh, couple of verses, though, are all about how we function with other believers. So look at verse uh, 39. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. And, and almost every one of these little phrases is a, a sermon in itself. But again, we're just doing at the high level survey here. I mean, how is your love without hypocrisy? Or is, it, is, is there always some motive that that is there. Some are you angling for something? I'm going to be nice and kind and friendly to this person because, you know, I'm looking for the win-win. Or are you loving them without hypocrisy? Are you abhorring what is evil? Are you clinging to what is good? Are you being devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Like I said, every one of those, we could say, you know, five or ten minutes on each one of those things and talk about it, but, but they're self-explanatory enough that, that you can look at them and say, okay, this is what God has called me to be like in my neighborhood, in my office, in that classroom where I work, at that paper mill where I serve. I mean, do people look at me and say, that he, he is a loving guy, and he's loving people just because he loves people, or is he? are they saying, man, he's always got an angle? You know, what's the hidden agenda? Why is he being so nice today? Or, or you know, um, not lagging behind in diligence. I mean, the guy, you give the guy a task, you give the woman a task, and they get it done. I mean, they meet their deadlines. They, they, they will come through. They said they would do that, and guess what? They did it. They didn't call me up and, or text me and say, hey, sorry, I never got to that. I know you were dependent upon it, but you know, there were other things that were more important than whatever it was you asked me to do, and I said I would do. Or are you lagging, are you lagging behind in diligence? You don't want to be that way. Are you rejoicing in hope? I mean, good grief. As believers, we just spent 15 minutes singing about all these incredible things that Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross of Christ, on the cross of Calvary. I mean, when we die, we go to heaven. We believe the Bible and we've trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we have hope. We're not looking at 2023 and hoping the economy turns around, or, or this happens, or that happens, or finally we finally shake all the stuff from COVID. Our hope's not in that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, and we realize He is the sovereign God. He is the, he is the one who has made it so that we have peace with God. And the big picture says, man, I can be very hopeful. Yeah, there, there might be some bumps in the road. There might be some job loss. There might be some broken relationship. There might be some some illness or some tragic situation in my life. But ultimately, I've got that hope because I know what the final score is. All of those things ought to be characteristics of our life. And and all of those things are things we ought to be striving to develop in ourselves as we grow in Christ and try to learn more about this faith that we have. Look down at verse 14. Here's where he transitions over to those that are not on the same page with us. Unbelievers. He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in your mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay, pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. I mean, sometimes we believers, we are just obstinate and so obnoxious about certain things. And And we don't show respect to things that really should be. And the unbelieving world looks at us and it's like, can these people get alive? Can they look at the big picture? I love verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, because it's not always within your power, but if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For he said, "Vengeance is mine; I'm, I'm gonna repay." Says the Lord. Man, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And so doing, you're keeping coal, burning coals upon his head. Don't be overcome by this evil, but overcome the evil with good. I mean, you're supposed to be out there functioning among people that that are not on the same page with you spiritually. And you are that light. You are that, that salt. You're, you're taking your agenda and marching orders from Jesus Christ. You're not sitting there and saying, well, if that's the way they treat it, you know, that's the way I'm going to do it. They did this, so I'm going to do it back. I mean, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And, and we've got a God that says, I, hey, I take care of my people. You don't have to lower yourself to their level and function there. You don't have to fight dirty. You can rise above it. There's so many situations when you read through the life of Jesus, you see how people were just dirty to him. And what did Jesus do? He didn't get down and dirty with them. He rose above it. All of those things are part of that. And what's the big question? Am I being like Christ? Am I modeling Christ? life of Christ. So three questions we've looked at today. Submitting, functioning, and modeling. And so like what I like to do at the end is is always ask ourselves, okay, so so what? How, what do I do with this? Well, there's a lot of things I could mention here, but let me just mention one way to measure this, and it's going to be something that you hopefully will remember. I mean, just ask yourself, about your time, your talent, and your treasure. How are you investing your time? You know, we talked about submitting to Christ. We talked about functioning in the body of Christ. We talked about serving and modeling the life of Christ. As you've used your time this last year, what would someone, some objective observer, Deduce about your use of time? Would he or she say, Wow, Jesus was really important in that person's life? Jesus is his or her king, and they're paying attention to him. He is the most important person. This person is really not about themselves. This person is a servant. This person serves. This person functions amongst believers and unbelievers, in such a way to be a giver, not a taker? What does your time say? What about your talents? Here's the deal. Some of us, well, all of us really, we're really good at certain things. We're really good at those things. And, you know, hopefully you've got a job where you're using what you're really good at. Are you using what you're really good at to not just get a paycheck or gain notoriety or climb a corporate ladder? Are you utilizing that talent for God? Is there some some way that you can take the investment of your talent and say, you know what? That is going to pay off eternally. I mean, this is not just going to build my portfolio. This is not just going to build this company's whatever. This use of my talent is going to impact eternity. And you owe it to yourself to ask am I using these God-given gifts and talents that I'm really good at? Am I using them for eternity? Because that's an investment. And if the answer is no, man, we need to change up our portfolio and start investing in something that is going to pay off in the long run for eternity. Our treasure, money, if you were to scan through how you spent your money, I'm not just talking about what you gave to this church or any other church or any ministry or some non-profit. I'm just saying all of the money you got, how did you use it? Did you use it with eternity in mind? Or did you use it with the temporal in mind? I mean, our treasure is a stewardship that God has given us, and, and he wants us to use it to build his kingdom. And what God has given us in terms of treasure, he's challenging us to use it to invest in eternity. If you were to do the January thing and look back about how you used your money, how you used your talents, how you used your time, what would it say? Are there some changes that should be made? Because as you look forward, the other half of the January thing, how should you change up how you use your money? How should you change up how you use these skills that God has given you? How should you use this 24 Hours a day, seven days, 365 days that God's going to give you? Are there changes that should be made? And if there are, back to question one. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Make those changes. Let's pray, okay? Father, we're uh, grateful that we can uh, take a couple minutes just to think about where we are with you. Father, if uh, there is something that you have brought to mind, maybe put a spotlight on, and we know that should change. That wasn't good. That was a waste. Uh, Father, I pray you would help us to have the courage to uh, acknowledge that and then fix it. I pray, Father, that we would make the appropriate changes that we need to make uh, because we want to be healthy believers. We want to be healthy people that follow you and listen to you. And so, uh, Father, I pray that today would not just have been uh, some intellectual lesson of... uh, what other people should do Father I pray that there really would be uh, in us a uh, a transparency that says this needs to be fixed and we want to fix it we're thankful Father that you want to fix it for us and enable us to have that that discipline so to that end Lord we uh, we pray that we would be uh, people that would be more um committed and faithful to you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.